Hello everyone, welcome to The Living Revolution, bringing you the researchers, thinkers, intra and extrapreneurs within the Symbio space. Today we host Paige Whitehead, CEO and co-founder of Nyoka, a company aiming to lighten up the world with proteins. But how? Let's find out together in this episode. Yeah, thank you for having me. So my name is Paige. I am the CEO and co-founder of Nyoka. And we're a company that does uh, engineering on bioluminescence to create a range of different products and basically solve issues with chemical pollution, which I'm really passionate about. So I got started probably when I saw bioluminescence for the first time. I didn't know it was actually putting me on a life path. (laughs) I saw it swimming out in the ocean around where I grew up and became fascinated with it. And then... I got so fortunate that my high school chemistry teacher handed me a pamphlet on microbiology and I thought it looked really cool. <laughs> so I I went into that program at university, found out about biotechnology and my life has kind of gone in that direction ever since. Um, you know, I helped start my university's IGM club. I'm really passionate about how we can use biotechnology to create a more sustainable world and yeah, getting into startups and that whole entrepreneurship ecosystem is something I never thought I would do. I've always been more of an activist, I would say, on the environmentalist side, but learning about all these companies that are changing the world through that kind of vehicle, it seemed like the most accessible thing that I could do um, to bring change to the world the way I wanted to see it. And so here I am now. So um, for those of us in the audience, or those of you in the audience who don't know, what is bioluminescence and how did, how did people even get into that specifically? Yeah, so bioluminescence at its most simple definition is living light. So if you've ever seen a firefly or mushrooms that glow, there's there's so many species that have evolved the capacity to create light and it's a system that is on a molecular level so there's these enzymes uh, the class of enzymes are called luciferases and they're have evolved you know across many different species and so bioluminescence is basically a way to describe all of the light that anything that is alive produces how have scientists used it you know previously what were some of the first examples of use the you the use of bioluminescence so this living light yeah people there there's actually really neat stories of you know even before science really got hold of bioluminescence of people you know filling jars with fireflies to have something to use as a light um or there was even dried um i think shrimp or crustaceans that you could pull from the ocean that still had some bioluminescence that would be used as a as a light aboard vessels um to see at night and the most kind of classic use of bioluminescence i think anyone who's seen finding nemo <laughs> will remember the angler fish where they have that little dangly light and it's used to lure in prey and other fish and although bioluminescence is more rare above ground bioluminescence is one of the most common traits below the water so below the line where where light kind of ceases to pass through into the deep ocean almost every single you know fish or species or you know scary monster looking thing will have bioluminescence as a way to signal to communicate and to lure in prey take me through the process of how you sort of use this kind of this background that you you know you researched and you thought about 
uh, to decide actually let's use it for something specific and how you came then to start your startup mm -hmm. so I was at a music festival and I was volunteering on the environment team and so it was my job to pick up garbage all day and it was it was gross work and it was really it was really not fun and I picked up all these glow sticks and they were disgusting and it made me really sad because you know the festival is so fun everyone's having such a good time but then there's all this garbage and it was just such a contrast to the energy of the event and so when I was picking up all these glow sticks I started to think like can't we make these with bioluminescence instead? Like, why Why are we using this, like, on, on these these toxic chemicals, these plastics? What, so that's what is kind of when I had the first idea. What oh, is so currently being used? So currently, chemiluminescence, um, there isn't kind of one standard reaction, but most will have some kind of dye, an activator, um, and some kind of, like, base catalyst. And so... And some kind of um, like solvent for the whole system to to kind of exist in, and it's it's such a frustrating loophole because often the chemicals that glow sticks have before they're activated are are not the worst, you know, they're not great, but they're relatively safe. But then after the reaction is activated, then you'll get these um, kind of compounds that are produced that are have been found to be very carcinogenic. So many chemical regulations will regulate chemicals, you know, when the product is shipped, but not necessarily after it's been used. And that's where we'll see the, the production of, of some of the most dangerous compounds. Um, and it actually gets worse and worse when they're exposed to sunlight and UV light, then um, that's where they become actually very, very dangerous. And so you were... You decided you were like at this festival and you thought, yes, why don't we use bioluminescence? And then from there, you must have tried a million different things to see if they <laughs> worked. So how, you know, um, what, what, what type of things did you try to make this possible? Yeah, I didn't know at that point even about cell-free systems mm -hmm. or, you know, how we could really get around some of the regulations around genetically modified organisms. Um, so I started probably where many people would start thinking about bioluminescence, which is how can I keep algae alive in a tube <laughs> and have them continuously produce light? Um, and of course, it's very challenging. They they need oxygen, they need food, <laughs> and they only light up, you know, after you shake it. So you really don't get a consistent uh, bright light. So it isn't really something that could be used in to replace the chemicals that are used for chemiluminescent products. And that was that was the starting point. And, you know, it kind of hung out in the back of my head throughout my my um, you know, university life. And what I started doing was just in my spare time, I was researching different bioluminescent systems. Um, and I found out about the types that are used for diagnostics and and assays, uh, which is a enzyme-based system. So it's the kind of core unit of bioluminescence is this enzyme, which catalyzes the reaction. Um, basically, it cleaves a little bond in the fuel molecule called a luciferin. And when that bond is broken, light is produced. So instead of needing reactive chemistry, like with chemiluminescence, um, because we're using the action of a protein, it basically uses a physical force to uh, break this molecule. So it's a neat little system. And so learning about that, 
that's when I really got into just thinking about the enzyme as the kind of core functionality of bioluminescence. It's, you know, stable. It doesn't require a whole living system. There's the regulations around genetically modified organisms don't apply if you're using an enzyme in the final product. Um, it's also a simple thing to develop compared to a whole cell. So in terms of focusing your effort, in terms of research and development, um, you know, the development of a protein is a great thing to focus on. And there's so much tech, so many techniques now, such as direct evolution, um, you know, and I mean, it's just this year where um, AlphaFold really came out with like their amazing kind of protein modeling system. So the the kind of landscape around protein development right now is is fantastic. So it's it's actually been a quite quite exciting to work on just developing the the kind of core unit of bioluminescent system. The one that um, produces a light stably uh, in a, in a stable way and for longer periods of time. Mm-hmm. which does not need a physical force or do you still need physical are you still looking at ways of uh, physically activating it would be physically activated system oh so so how the and this is a neat actual difference between chemiluminescence and how we've worked uh, to create a bioluminescent formula is that a bioluminescent um, protein can be stored as a powder as well as the other reagents and so to activate it, we just need them to interact. And so we mix it with water. Um, chemiluminescence is a liquid-liquid system. So often there'll be you know, two liquids that you need to mix together. And so because the bioluminescent system is simply a powder that you mix with water, it gives us a lot more creativity in how it's used and how it's activated. And one of our, our first actual products that we're bringing to market is a commercial fishing lure to replace the chemical fishing lures that are currently used by the marine industry. And so we're actually using the water of the environment to activate it. So we have a biodegradable shell that actually absorbs the ocean water and that's how the product is finally activated. Well, that's that's so cool. So um, that actually um, is very interesting. Where else are, because obviously you're uh, currently what I know is it's a light, like a light stick or glow stick or something, but mm-hmm. where else are glow sticks used? Mm. Yeah, and we've, we've actually been, so, you know, I was inspired first by looking at a glow stick and yeah. what I didn't know at that time was that, you know, chemiluminescence or the the chemicals inside are really a whole chemical industry. Um, it was initially developed by the U.S. military in collaboration with DuPont. There's a horrible story of, the initial work actually leading to the Love Canal disaster, which where there were actual dioxins that entered the environment and led to this whole environmental catastrophe in the U.S. Can, um, can you tell me more about that? I'm very, I'm curious. I I, I heard of other disasters. There are plenty of disasters mm-hmm. out there, but uh, can you briefly explain what happened? Yes. So there are. So in the development of chemiluminescence, you know, as well as some other products. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all around this place called the Love Canal, and it ended up being an industrial waste dumping site. And so these chemicals were just dumped into the environment, and they found dioxins, which are the same compounds that were found in Agent Orange, some of the most um, dangerous, uh, especially for humans, in terms of causing genetic mutations, mm-hmm. in terms of causing birth defects, 
Um, so that's the origin story of chemiluminescence. Um, it's 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 kind of, <laughs> you know, was developed for the military, created this huge environmental disaster. They're still finding dioxins in, you know, some uh, chemiluminescent products that are are still made today. So it's it's a pretty um, sad, <laughs> but you know, they they found uses where the use of them is still essential, and that's and that's why chemiluminescence is still used. So for the marine industry, the use of you know an inexpensive lure is incredibly important, and so that's why they're still used there for search and rescue. It's the same thing. Um, there's a protocol. Well, they actually will throw chemical light six into the ocean after someone is lost at sea at night so they can follow basically a cookie crumb trail back to the person so they can save their life so there's there's many um applications where they just haven't been able to phase out the use because it's it's so useful <laughs> um chemiluminescence is also used in in diagnostics in, in manufacturing assays um just there's there's quite a range that um there's kind of currently still used for and that's again why we're so focused on on replacing the uses of of chemiluminescence because it's it's this whole industry it's creating incredibly toxic waste um and also the industry has been suppressed by the sustainability and safety issues there's been some industry reports on how you know it's really putting a block on continued innovation and commercialization um and so that's where we're so excited about what we're developing because like first off, it's it's just exciting. Like bioluminescence is so beautiful. Um, but then in terms of all the uses that we can we can um like improve upon. So right now for the marine industry, um, the bioluminescence system, you know, it can go to a greater depth because we're not limited to a sealed tube because we're we have the water kind of flowing in and out. So there's interesting applications. We can actually have products that work better, that have different features and can explore. We can explore applications beyond what has ever really been possible with chemiluminescence. So currently you've released, you have released this product for fishing in the- Yes, in, we're, we're currently scaling up the production of that right now. And uh, I mean, in terms of uh, scaling such a product, what are the main challenges in this? <laughs> um, the first thing you know that we really needed to understand was if it would be economically possible to produce a product that you know could be sold at a price that people would actually purchase it. Um, so a lot of the early work was to make sure that the production system would work well, um, that even the amount of you know enzyme. Sorry, I I keep switching saying enzyme and protein, but I'm I'm really talking about the same thing when I mm -hmm. when I say that. Um, we want to make sure that, you know, we understand the cost of the system before we scale. Otherwise, we could be stuck with, you know, a product that's too expensive for anyone to actually um, afford. And that was our issue at the beginning, because it is it's expensive, you know, to set up a lab and produce, um, you know, proteins in a, in a very small scale. And so scaling up is really what will enable us to send a product out that is uh, cost effective. So that was that was one of the first uh, things we needed to understand. Um, you know, there's always risks in scaling up just in terms of, you know, it's it's a whole new um, stage, not only of uh, scientific development, but also, you know, business development. You're working with more people, um, you're solving different challenges. Um, I think the, the thing that always it comes down to is if you have, you know, the right people with the right expertise who really care about it, working on the project, and that gets you through a lot. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. I think you you might have mentioned that uh, this term sort of bioluminescence. Would you consider what your product is to be a bioluminescent product? Yeah, I mean, I think that's something I would love to get some feedback from from the audience because you know we started thinking about it as bioluminescence. But at its core, what we're doing isn't alive. And so it's not actually living light. Um, we're using and, you know, developing the core, um, you know, thing that makes bioluminescence possible, which is that enzyme. Um, but we're, you know, just using that. It's not a whole cell. It doesn't reproduce. Um, it doesn't light up on its own. It's all, you know, very controlled. So we've been thinking about it as um you know light that's made with proteins or like protein based light um yeah but i'm curious to hear what people would think like is it bioluminescence anymore like <laughs> and would you do you think there will be a time in the future where you do use living um sort of living cells to produce what like any range of product that you will produce mm. or do you think yeah, you'll so, stick so right with, now we do use you know, you know, living cells is kind of the production strain. So mm-hmm. we'll, um, you know, right now it's currently in E. coli and, you know, we're using that as uh, the production vessel basically to like make a lot of it. You need the little E. coli, you know, to be able to produce that at mm-hmm. a large scale. And then the end product doesn't have anything living. But I think the question where, where it's, is the final product ever going to have anything living? I, I really don't see that. I think what we'll do is basically make you know, as we continue to develop the capacity of the system, um, it might get more complex where maybe, you know, there's things we can do by adding a second enzyme, or maybe we have, you know, little little chambers like you'd have in a cell where you separate different parts of the reaction from each other. So it's it's likely going in a direction where it's starting to add more complexity, but we're really trying to limit the complexity as much as possible. Um, adding complexity gets more expensive <laughs> and also harder to control. Um, and with a product where the, you know, dependability of it in terms of these like life-saving applications, we need to know that we have something that is simple, that works every time, you know, that and ev- every bit of complexity adds a little bit more risk to the system. And so there might be some interesting applications in the future where where that's, you know, something that's desirable, but we're always looking to kind of eliminate complexity where possible and have just something that that works with with um, the kind of minimum inputs possible. Getting to the current stage, what were some of the iterations that you had to go through? Like the key major, you know, maybe two iterations out of, I'm mm-hmm. sure, hundreds. Yeah, there's there was kind of, so there's a number of, ways i guess of problem solving this and so the first one is trying a number of different enzyme systems um mm-hmm. currently there there are wild type you know bioluminescence that are well well understood and so understanding the pros and cons of a different starting place was definitely part of it then also and then you know you kind of start to understand what we will need to do in terms of improving or changing that you know, structure, um, you know, the the reactivity, the stability to actually have it work in the final product. And then beyond the core of the enzyme, there's also all the reagents, which affect, you know, how it operates in different temperatures and different pHs. And so you start to get beyond the enzyme to the actual formulation. And then there's kind of a second order with the formulation where you can start to get into some really neat um, activation mechanisms and, you know, different kind of containers and, and different ways for the actual 
you know, reagents to mix together. So that's kind of the second order formulation bit. And so there's there's a number of angles that really kind of start to get to know as you work on a on a project like this. The first thing I made lasted about five minutes. <laughs> and that, yes. that was what I, I remember I pitched at my university competition and I had pitched two years earlier. I didn't have anything. I had no prototype. It was really an idea. And they asked me to come back, you know, when I had something. And so two years later, I go back and I have this little tube, you know, that that lit up. And it that's all you need to get started. And I think, you know, if anyone's thinking about you know, getting into entrepreneurship or, or building something, you know, you need something like you need to create something that people can believe in um, and believe that also it's possible to improve it. But you don't need to know how to do everything yourself. You know, now I have an amazing team of, you know, scientists and, and technicians who are like experts in you know protein engineering or on the interaction of the active site with the actual, you know, chemistry. Um, you know, people who are, we have advisors in fluid dynamics, you know, and it's, it's so exciting to bring a team together around solving a problem because you can just do more than, you know, you ever could on your own. Did you learn anything new about, about science or bioluminescence or, um, you know, technology commercialization? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, I learned the, um, how many uses there are actually for bioluminescence. And this, you know, the different kind of bioluminescent systems, because, you know, at, when I first learned of uh, Nyoka Light Wand, I was like, okay, glow sticks, fine. But, you know, what, like, I think parties, okay, but what else? Mm -hmm. What else is there, right? And yeah. and and to see that there's a whole industry behind it um, producing um, quite toxic chemicals mm -hmm. that are necessary to be used is um, also very, very interesting, I find. Yeah. Yeah, that was a surprise to me too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because like I said, I, I got I got working on this after, yeah, seeing a glow stick on the ground at a festival and had no idea that it was a whole industry and that, um, you know, they were used for such kind of essential applications. And um, that's kind of what we've been working to to talk to people about because, you know, to get a company started, there needs to be a big enough market. You need to be solving a big enough problem. Mm. Um, a lot of technology commercialization, you have this gap between what you can do in the lab on your own and then what you need, what you basically the financial <laughs> like requirements to get something to scale often does require, you know, venture capital and mm. it can be quite a gap. And there are so many awesome, you know, technologies that don't make it past that gap because the market isn't big enough, you know, because, um, you know, the, the eventual financial gain isn't like billions of dollars. And the bar is so high for venture capital. And I think that's something that still frustrates me that there are, are you know, solutions to problems that we really need in the world. But if mm -hmm. they're not something that someone can make, you know, an absolutely ridiculous amount of money on, you know, potentially, um, you really just need like the dream that that can happen, then they'll just end up, you know, sitting on a shelf, you know, maybe there's a patent on it, but it won't be actually taken out into the world and and kind of solving the problem it was designed to. So that's one thing I hope one day I can, I can help solve, you know, um, it's right now I'm working on solving <laughs> this one little enzyme system. Um, but it's interesting when you move into a different field, um, like what you end up learning about and, yeah, the world needs like all of these sustainable technologies to to get out there. Mm -hmm. So in terms of 
uh, I guess the future of Nyoka Light Wand. What are your what are your next your next big steps? What are you currently working on? Of course, the scaling up of your current um, powder system, but mm -hmm. anything else? Yeah, so scaling up our production is mm -hmm. is kind of the biggest transformation in terms of our company because the development of the um, enzyme and the production of it has really been a rate determining step or a, a bottleneck really because the kind of experiments we can do when we have more than just a few milligrams of material will, will be really exciting and so scaling up the production um, for this product and starting to work with the commercial fishing industry we're so excited you know so many people care about the ocean so it's it's actually been so wonderful to, to move into that space and then Beyond that, then we're um, we're going to, so we kind of have the underwater application, which we're moving forward with first, then we'll be developing the like above land <laughs> applications. Um, and beyond that, then we're really open to, you know, partnerships and collaborations with like companies and, you know, other people who work in chemiluminescence or not, or, or have an idea for how they can apply bioluminescence. Some of the best work we've done, for example, is like NASA, you know, from their Jet Propulsion Lab, they emailed me. And we're like, we have something that we want to try, you know, your, your bioluminescent formula for that I never would have thought of. And that that's my favorite thing, you know, when I get an email from someone who has an idea, um, a way to apply like this light-based system that, you know, has never been seen before. I think there's going to be so many amazing applications of bioluminescence in the next few years.